In today's episode, we are beginning our Recovery from Intimate Partner Abuse series. Peace and light, family. This is Elegant Granny, your creator and host of the Proactive Eye podcast. Now, last week, we went into what we were taught about self-love. I disclosed a conversation I had with my auntie who taught me the importance of rewarding myself first before anyone else with the money I earned. I had a bad habit of serving others first and then not having anything for myself. It wasn't that I didn't care about myself. I'm very nurturing by nature, so it is innate for me to see about others first. My dear auntie was not about to have me aging without enjoying my fruit first. I really appreciate that conversation at 19. This week, we are diving into our recovery series, and we will start off with recovering after IPV, which is intimate partner violence, also known as domestic violence. There will only be a part one and a part two of this series, unlike the last one that was spread out into four weeks into our starting over series. Today's goal with this episode is to express some of the things victims and survivors go through during recovery. It may seem like a downer episode, but it is merely to enlighten you what usually isn't discussed. Recovering from IPV, also known as intimate partner violence, can be overwhelming. You either have people in your life who want you to shake things off quickly and move on, or you can have no one in your life to give you any moral support at all. I had support, but I also created boundaries with the support that was available for me. Now, you don't have to do things the way I did. I'm just sharing what I felt was necessary for me to do the healing. So I created boundaries with the support that was available for me. Now, let me explain why. As I've told you in my earlier episodes, that I am the eldest of 20 grandchildren, the eldest of four girls. I have a host of other cousins, uncles, aunties, friends of family who also come from large families. You know some of the same things that you all have. I was not about to have any of them come in like engine engine number nine coming in as the cavalry to save me. That would have been a total disaster. It is quite natural for friends and family members to want to protect and avenge their loved ones. Every one of the men in my family asked if I was certain I didn't need them to go talk to my husband. And we all know that didn't mean literally talking. I had to call them off because the last thing that was needed was more chaos. More than likely, it would have been my family serving time and my husband out free. Seeking revenge or being avenged for something that happened to you by your loved ones only complicates things. It does absolutely nothing for your healing process. Another reason I find recovery to be overwhelming is so many options. There were so many options for me to choose from to solicit help. I remember many years ago, it was not as popular to seek mental health counseling after being involved in domestic violence. There are so many agencies, so many health and wellness centers, and a host of life coaches to give you the professional support you need. 
Some of us can move on with a life coach, while others of us need a specialized mental health professional, as was in my case. So I thought. As it turned out, the two counselors I spoke with didn't think I needed them. The first counselor turned me down, saying she couldn't help me because I wasn't in doubt of the future or looking forward to death, and I didn't seem to experience PTSD or depression. The second counselor didn't think I needed to be seen either, but said that I could come in for a session if I felt depressed or something triggered me to be different than what I normally was. Now, the last thing I share about that is the what if. The what ifs are how I plan my life if I am able to answer the what ifs. Just before my husband was released from jail last December, I told my advocate that I was going to seek a counselor because I wasn't sure how I felt about him being released. She said that was a great idea and wished more survivors would choose to do the same thing. It was a trip to find out that I was more afraid of me than I was of him being released and what he would do once he was out. I realized during this session that because I never took any of my anger or rage out on him, the duration of our time together, and that as it got closer to him being released, I didn't know what to expect. Now, I knew what to expect from him because he's pretty predictable, for me anyway. I just wasn't sure how I would feel or act if I ever saw him. That freaked me out. For those who truly know me, they know I plan everything, absolutely everything. So to not know how I felt about him being released was hard for me to deal with because I didn't know how to plan for the what if. And if you're like me who analyzes everything, there are a trillion what if factors to be considered. It truly shook me that I wasn't prepared for any because I didn't know what they could possibly be until my sessions with my therapist. I'm so glad I kept all my appointments. There were only three. But, you know, it felt good to solve the what if variables I had. That unknown felt like it was taking me under. Now, with me not having to have therapy as long like most others have to schedule themselves for, due to me having excellent coping skills, I was able to mingle with other recovery groups I found online. The groups I found online are marvelous. I only participate with two of them today and have since then become a domestic violence advocate. Hence, the main reason I started this podcast. Now, I know it sounds like I'm being negative so far about recovery, but I'm not. I'm only expressing the truth about what really goes on during recovery, at least for me, that no one tells us before we go through it. Recovery is hard, but very possible. It takes a lot of work, just as it takes a lot of work to be in a relationship with someone else. Recovery is being in a one-on-one with yourself. Your supporters, aka your friends, aka your family, aka your therapist, aka your spiritual community, are there for your support. Now, this is when things can get a little difficult. Our lovely supporters work so hard helping us integrate back into a healthier lifestyle. You have two sets of supporters, the professionals and the non-professionals. 
the non-professionals can be broken down into two groups. One being those who give you exactly what you ask for. And the second one, those who try to parent you to healing. It is great when people hear you and give you what you ask for. Sometimes it isn't always good for us to get everything we want. For instance, wanting to be fixed up and date right after your traumatic experience is not the best way to heal. You're still infected in your soul by the last person that hurt and humiliated you. That wouldn't be fair to have the next person to deal with that. It has been my experience seeing people do this and wind up with another abuser thinking they were their savior. People can be very deceiving during your recovery phase, and it is hard sometimes to discern who is really there for you and who is taking advantage of you. That's one of the reasons I strongly suggest seeing a mental health specialist. Your wounds are not superficial. They are deep. The more you let them go untreated, the more infested those wounds become, making it harder to heal. For those who try to parent you to healing. I remember being that way for a very good friend who was married to one of my childhood friends. We had become close and her children, oh my goodness. I adored them and they adored me. It got to the point I was always at their house visiting, mainly for the children. My friend stayed ill quite often, so I was there to support her, the children, and my childhood friend until she was able to get back on her feet. One day, I came into the house after work and the house felt so different. I immediately hollered her name. She was in the kitchen cooking. She smiled at me as she turned around and so did the children, but I could feel something wasn't right. Before she could get anything out of her mouth, I told her, please don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. What just happened here? While she was hesitating to say, I cut in with, Girl, whatever it is, I'm here to help, not hurt. So she and the oldest child began telling me what happened just before I got there. I was so disappointed in my childhood friend, but I refused to leave her or the children until I knew they were safe. She didn't want to go anywhere. She loved the town we were in. The thing is, she was so far away from home with four children. The youngest was barely a year old at the time. I asked where he, her husband, my childhood friend, where he was. She said when he saw me coming, he got scared and flew out the back door. After trying to talk her into doing some things to protect her and the children, she was adamant about not leaving. So I did the next best thing. I offered my services to help inside the house with my motherly ways. I took command of that house. Basically, I was parenting her. I started cleaning the house and manding the children and told her to just be just focus on the food she was preparing for her family. During this time, I had no special training on how to support someone in a crisis with their family. So supporters, as I'm in the process of writing a guide for you, I want you to consider something important. What is it the loved one you want to help and protect really want and not what you want for them? I know how vulnerable and helpless you feel when someone you love is hurt. Back then, I struggled with this too with the limited resources I had to work with. The only thing I knew to do was manage people. That was my specialty. 
So I took control of the house to start the healing process. Most people are not receptive of something like this. So be mindful of when you attempt to support someone, you give them what they want or need. So now back to the story. While cleaning the house with the two eldest children, I began having conversation with them to make sure they were all right. They were glad to finally see one of their father's friends actually be a best friend to their mother. That's when I understood why the mother hesitated. She had become so familiar with friends alienating her and the children and seeing about him because they were his friends, not hers. This enraged me. Just because someone is your homeboy or homegirl, if they are out here harming someone, that is no good. Be a better friend calling them on it and do your best to get them the help they need. Then, if the one that was hurt allows you to, and only if you really want to, see what it is you can do for them, even if all you do is see them to a safe place. That in itself is a great act. It is very important to see them to a safe place. Recovering alone? Phew! Now this part right here. This is what I experienced after separating from my husband. I disclosed to you in previous episodes what I went through the first week after our separation. So if you missed it, you can go back a few episodes to find out what I experienced. But what I really want to say to those who are trying to go at it alone is, spending time alone is good if you are able to handle being alone. Not everyone can do this. We have moments when we really need no one else in our space, but we have to remember there are other things that can happen to us spending too much time alone, like depression and ideation of suicide. It was said by Dr. Richard McKeon, the chief of the suicide prevention branch at the U.S. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration in an article by the American Psychological Association that survivors of intimate partner violence are twice as likely to attempt suicide multiple times and that cases of murder-suicide are most likely to occur in the context of abuse. Twice as likely. Multiple times. That's the part that grips my heart. I never had the ideation of suicide but I have met and supported others who have after a life of abuse. Some even during their life with their partner while the partner was away from the house. It is important to realize you need to be alone and understand why you need that time alone and when you need to be with supporters and other people who love you. It is a tricky balance, but it is something we must figure out to heal. I will add the link to this article in the show notes for those who would like to see what else was discussed in that article. Hopefully, I have said something in this brief episode to help you be mindful of some things during recovery after a life of abuse. And to those who support victims and survivors, I hope you learned some things the victims and survivors are experiencing during their recovery period. You are a great asset in this world, and it is very important after a life of abuse to see a physician and a mental health specialist to help you excel as you recover. Let us know in the voice message on the Anchor app or by email at proactiveye at gmail.com 
some things you do to help you recover. We'd love to chit chat with you and get your perspective on why those things are valuable to you. This concludes part one of the recovery series. Part two will contain what you can do during recovery. It has been a pleasure sharing with you today. All links to connect with us and free resources are in the show notes. Feel free to download episodes and take advantage of the free resources provided. You can visit us at our blog at bit.ly forward slash PE podcast blog. And yes, the name has changed. That is bit.ly forward slash PE podcast blog. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is at Proactive Eye. And on Facebook, the handle is at Proactive Eye Podcast. This has been your host, Elegant Granny. Thank you for your support and visit us again. And remember, healing is a continuous process, not a one-shot deal. Much love, peace, light, and healing vibes, family. Remember to stay tuned next week as we discuss part two of the recovery series, on things you can do as you recover after a life of abuse.